Get inspired every Monday and Friday right here on your favorite inspirational show, Morning Inspirational Radio Show, hosted by Dalton, the producer. Bring in that gospel flavor, old school, new school, holy hip-hop, and don't forget about that Friday praise break. Get inspired through encouraging words, special guests, and the inspirational moment where you, the listener, get a chance to be on air. So tune in Monday and Friday, 9 a.m., 10 o'clock Eastern, Morning Inspirational Radio Show. Log on to Morning Inspirational Radio Show. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest radio station on the planet. All new uh, can you tell me a little bit how that process went uh, with you all there being able to come home under the CARES Act? Incarcerated Mothers Matter Radio Show. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest for radio station on the planet. You know, been a while, but um, I know they, you know, offered like the parents in classes and, you know, some other things that, you know, also taught you you know, how to address different subjects, you know, to the children. Blog Talk Radio. Incarcerated Mothers Matter, live on Tribe and Family Channel. Hosted by Daphne Patterson. Thank you for tuning in. 515-605-9351 to talk live. Press 1. And now, here is Daphne Patterson. Good evening, everyone. It is April 21st, 2022. I tell you, this year is just going by, and it's going by swiftly for us all. I hope everyone had an awesome Resurrection Sunday. I know with me, um, this past week has been, you know, a week of uh, renewal, revival, and reawakening. Um, this week, um, um, it's just been, God has been moving in a mighty way and he's been bringing just, um, new things for the show, uh, new, uh, people, um, to bring, uh, their ideas and fundraising and, you know, just different projects that we have on the horizon. Uh, we'll be putting together, um, uh, a platform where we'll be honoring um, women who have been formerly incarcerated um, that are doing um, things in the community uh, to help help others and to pay it forward. Uh, we'll have that coming sometime uh, later this summer or, or early uh, fall. I've just been so overjoyed to be able to get so much information out there to everyone um, and being able to get information about what's going on 
out there in the criminal justice system as far as reform, as far as resources. And we have had such a positive response. And I think everyone that tunes in, everyone that sponsors us, and just everyone that supports us uh, on social media, uh, even word of mouth, uh, even people who call in, even after the show, you know, giving us uh, positive responses, uh, people who want to uh, be a part of the show. Uh, we are, like, booked through, um, I think, up to, until July with, you know, people that just want to come and share their stories and share what they have uh, going on. And um, we just have so much, and I just look forward to you know, everything that um, we have going and uh, we have uh, to look forward to. Um, also, um, tonight, uh, how are you, Miss Marva? I'm good, My Jessie. co-host, Miss Marva, is here tonight. And do you have anything you want to shout out to, to our special audience we have tonight? I would just like to say I hope everyone enjoyed the talk show tonight, and it's an honor and a pleasure to be a part of this group this afternoon with our, our speaker for tonight that you're going to introduce. So it's just always a pleasure just, just being on air, just to let people hear our voices, to let them know we understand and we feel their pain and we know they hurt regardless of what the situation is. We know that we're here to just lift each other up and try to give encouraging words to each individual that's listening to us every night, every week, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, you know, you, you, you say it every night, but, you know, sometimes when you say things like that, you be speaking uh, things into existence. You know, you never know. It might come to be a nightly thing. So, so you know, that power of life and death is in the tongue, so you might be speaking a nightly show, you know, and yes, it, it would definitely be be needed, you know, just to get it out there. Uh, I know over the course of the week I speak to uh, so many people that are on the inside um, through um, working with Second Chance for Real, and uh, I just hear so many um, heartbreaking stories. Uh, I had a gentleman today uh, that wrote to me, and, you know, I couldn't do anything but cry because he was like, you know, I've been here 20-plus years. And he's like, you know, I, I didn't do anything. I can prove it. He's like, but I don't have any contact people. I don't have any family now because it's been so long. And, you know, he's like, I'm selling all my belongings I have in here just to try to come up with some money, you know, for, you know, to be able to get some legal help for somebody just to take a look at my case, you know. And, you know, it just broke my heart and it made me know that, you know, I'm going to work harder to try to, you know, see what we can do, what we can come up with, you know, to be able to, you know, get some pro bono work, you know, someone um, that can at least take a look at his case that mm -hmm. when, you know, a person is innocent there and they've been there 20 plus years and know they're innocent and, they don't have family now, and, you know, when he said he was selling his things to try to come up with some money, you know, it, it was just heartbreaking to me today. So, you know, it lets me know that I am doing, 
you know, what I'm called to do. And I plan to, you know, even dig deeper and work, work harder and, you know, really try to work to give back. But to be able to do that, you know, I still have to get out here and learn and learn what resources are out there and connect with people who are learning about the system and being educated on what's going on and and learn the laws and, you know, just really know, you know, what's going on. So uh, I was so delighted uh, when... um, I had spoke to our guest tonight, um, Miss um, Mayor Mary Palm Copeland, who I have had the pleasure of uh, working with a lot over uh, the last couple of years. Um, she is the uh, first female mayor of the city of Milledgeville, and she's the second African-American mayor to hold the office. Uh, and she's a longtime resident of Milledgeville. And um, so, you know, it is just an honor uh, to have someone, especially a woman of that stature, you know, to reach out to say that, you know, me and her, it seems like we're always on the same page. It was like during COVID, uh, I had a resource and I knew, you know, our hometown, our hometown really didn't have a resource for drive-through test centers for COVID. And so I had someone that was offering free um, drive, you know, we could set up a free testing center. So I called her and, you know, she was so proactive of, you know, helping us get a spot to set up, helping us with the tent, helping us get the doctor in place uh, to, um be able to maneuver the logistics of it, you know, and we got thousands of people tested, you know, and that was just such a positive. And it wasn't just for um, the city of Milledgeville. It was for all the surrounding counties because Milledgeville is kind of like the hub um, where people come to shop, people come to work from the surrounding counties. So, you know, she provided a service even from from the neighboring counties uh, with that. So we were on the same page with that. And then we were talking, and uh, she was telling me about other studies and uh, research that she had been doing um, with um, incarcerated um, women. And I told her about what I was doing, and I told her she had to come on the show and and kind of share uh, what what she was um, working with. So I'm going to let Miss Mary um, Palm Copeland um, tell us a little bit more about herself, and then we'll get into into everything uh, on the show. You know, we like family here, so we just get into talking and. We ask questions as we go, and uh, about a quarter till um, the hour, you know, we always stop uh, for questions, and if you want to put your hand up for a question, only thing you do is press one, and you'll be able to, we'll call the last four digits of your phone number, and you'll be able to ask a question live on the air. And now I give you Mayor Copeland. How are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me uh, to share in with you ladies tonight. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. And I think, Ms. Daphne, you touched it all, other than I am now a second-term female mayor. 
uh, unopposed. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, it was so quiet. <laughs> you know, it was so quiet because, you know, you had done such a wonderful job. You just went into second term unopposed. So, <laughs> you know, so that was just wonderful. <laughs> with others that, you know, and you know I wear many different hats. Um, Realtor, I am a a licensed, ordained pastor minister. Um, What else do I do not do? I drive the school bus. Um, Trying to give you so many hats that I do wear on a day-to-day basis uh, (laughs) that is sometimes it's confusing to me which hat I'm putting on for the day. But uh, nevertheless, I am so excited to be on with you all tonight, especially to talk about this particular area uh, with a field of expertise. I retired from the Department of Corrections, where I retired as an adjunct instructor and lieutenant. And so walking into this um, particular area, Ms. Daphne, I had to do a presentation. And I did my presentation on women incarcerated, and I can still see you know, I don't know if they still have it in their library, but I can still see mm-hmm. the PowerPoint from the front of it where I had drawn out a mother behind bars and then her child in front of her with a tear and a clock. Wow. Representing wow. time. And so this this is an area that I work both sides of the fence, not just with the mm-hmm. women, but I work with the men as well. And mm-hmm. our uh, was our YDC for our younger boys. I, I also work with them as well. So um just happy to share in this conversation tonight and glad to be able to be on with you all. Um, this is just awesome. I'm glad to see that you have this podcast and that is reaching many around the world because so many people need that that extra boost, as I was just hearing you talk about, uh, getting involved, being able to, help those that are incarcerated that can't help themselves. And so just hearing you say that just then made me think about the movie that I watched. Uh, I want to see, I can't say if it was Anthony, um, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of the young guy's name, but he played a part of an attorney that was trying to help me. And today, as I know of, that he's still doing this particular job is helping me that are incarcerated um, unfairly, jailed, because we still live every day. Every day. Right. That's the other organization that I work with, um, Second Chance for Real. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the founder of of that actual organization had um, three consecutive life sentences, and he Mm -hmm. uh, educated himself in law and became uh, a certified paralegal. And so in his 25 years, you know, he was able to learn the law and actually use the law to get you know, time served and get out. But he worked on so many high-profile cases, you know, to help others and so many, you know, others. And a lot of days when we get, you know, emails and stuff and I read the emails, it's like, hey, brother, you know, you helped so-and-so and this is so-and-so's brother, sister, and you helped them get out. Can you take a look at my case here? Or do you remember me from this place? You know, so, you know, wow. it, 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 you know, and he actually, once again, has a documentary coming out on Showtime 
you know, this summer, you know, talking about his story. So, you know, it's just so many unsung heroes because mm-hmm. that's what they are that have been, you know, a carriage for justice, you know, even on that side, on the inside for people that people don't ever get to hear about. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's amazing uh, when you think about roughly just in Georgia alone, you know, you're talking over, what, 56 million inmates uh, and their city, I would oftentimes share with whether it was my females or it was the males, I would share with them. Then I just looked out of here about two weeks ago uh, and look up and to see that residual, you know, of that coming back. And it made mm-hmm. you stop and think, what is it keeps you coming here rather than staying on the other side of the fence? And it, it just, I don't know, that was something I thought in my mind as I matriculated through the years working with the Department of Corrections is what makes that person continuously come back. Uh, and that's because we warehouse them. I share with people all the time, you shouldn't just warehouse an individual, but you should rehabilitate that individual, prepare them to go back into the real life world mm-hmm. because that's a, it's a yeah. different ball game. And True. for me, I've done many life sentences. I've had to watch men and wasn't married, okay, with young woman in the prison mm-hmm. system. I've had to watch women. And so you, you start to, to recognize different aspects of what's going on with that person, whether it be, you know, that they just got out there and I couldn't handle it. It's almost like a military person when they get out. They have to be rehabilitated mm-hmm. to go back into society. And unfortunately, our system just wasn't designed to do that. And when it was designed, they took it away. So they really right. are warehouses now rather than trying to rehabilitate them. You know, I can remember here um, the Georgia Women Correctional Institution probably opened in the 70s, late 70s, and I know mm-hmm. I went to work out there in the late 80s. And so uh, they had schooling for them. They could go to college and get a college degree. They could get a trade, be it cosmetology, barbering, uh, learning how to draw, down the welding, all of those different uh, job opportunities was placed in their hands prior to exiting the prison system. But now we don't have that because so much of that was taken away, especially in Georgia. I'm not, I can't mm-hmm. talk about California or anywhere else, but in Georgia, that was taken away from them. So my question then now is, what do you expect you their backs against the wall. They can't get out and get a good job because they're a convicted felon, have done so much time. Now they can't get a job because of their crime that they committed. So how do you help them? How do you prepare that way for them to to now be able to cope with what's going on on the outside of those four-cornered walls they're so used to? I mean, you think about it. (laughs) When I would think about it, I was like, man, I, I come in behind these these walk, this uh, fencing, and all I could hear was the clean, clean. And then when I went out to the very part of it, and I got to thinking about that thing, I'm like, wow, I'm doing, and, and we were short, of course. So sometimes I would do a 16-hour shift. Or if I worked mm-hmm. the dining room, that was a 12-hour shift. That you're locked up with someone on a day-to-day basis. You're doing their time that right. they're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that's something most, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was scared straight when I went out there, and it wasn't so much of the 
female, but for the unknown. I've never worked right. in a traditional like that. Um, what to expect, what not to expect. And so I think uh, I'll never forget my lieutenant. She pulled me to the side. She said, uh, and I was just a CEO at that time, she said, you're going to have to lighten up just a little bit. You're a little too hard. But what I learned in that time frame is that they have 24 hours a day to size you up. So you you have to be on point every time you go in there or else you'll get caught up. And so that's what I did every day. I went in prepared. I went in ready, uh, being able to see beyond. I never wanted to know what they did because mm-hmm. that, that can weigh on you when you start knowing what a person has done. And I never right. wanted to do that, uh, never, never in all my days. Even when I made it to the status of lieutenant and so on, I still never really looked at their key cards. You know, you'll hear the inmates talk, but other than that, I never looked at their cue cards to see what they had done because I didn't want to look at them any differently than that could have been my sister, my brother, my mother, my uncle, my father. That's how you have to look at them. Uh, Mayor Copeland, good evening. Uh, I've met you before. I'm from Hancock County, Sparks, Georgia. You have even been to my church. Uh, you've been to Macedonia with Pastor Nathaniel Sneed. Oh, yeah, Macedonia. Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. But um, to highlight on what you were just speaking about, um, how you could see them be released, and then within two weeks period of time, you see them back again. It's amazing. Listen to the things mm-hmm. that you're saying. And one thing I remember when um, I was in Mariana and we was in a class and we would, you know, have the talk sessions and things of that sort. And I would listen to the ladies very closely as they tell a story. And it was one particular young lady in there said she purposely got in trouble again because she had nowhere to go. She was basically mm-hmm. like homeless. So you find mm-hmm. a lot of them. They they have officers, and I while I was there, because I, I paid attention, I observed, and I watched a lot. There were certain officers that would see certain ladies act and conduct themselves the way they act in there, and they would mm-hmm. walk by, standing there having a conversation with them, and they literally could point them out and say, "Oh, they'll be back in a month. Mm-hmm. They'll be back in. Mm-hmm. They'll be back in." And I'm quite sure you can attest to this because you made it as far as being a lieutenant and being well, a lieutenant was statue. So at the same time, you can relate to what I'm saying that I had to have heard this stuff. And then you find so many of you that when they do be released, because like you said, it's not much you have to offer. And it's amazing when you said that word click, 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 click. Because if I had to live at click, 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 and I'm going to tell you the honest God truth, mm-hmm. I probably lost my mind being closed uh-huh. up. God, I didn't like where I had to go, but I had to go there. But we was in the boot camp, so we was like at a mm-hmm. uh, college mm-hmm. campus dorm. And I just thank God every day because at times when we had to go over to the men's facility institute and go like for x-rays or see, you know, get a checkup or some form of fashion of an x-ray or whatever the case may be, they have us going over there. And when I would hear that click, click, it just used to do something to me. So I I relate to you being a lady and, like you said, not looking into their PSI because that's what they call their profile just to see (laughs) why they're in here because, you would feel you didn't want to judge them, but you had to protect yourself and build yourself up to be where, okay, I have a caring heart, 
but I have to be kind of like a tough-hearted one, too, at the same time. And I know there are times you had a passionate heart, but you found yourself where I'm about to get weak. Let me pray because I have to not show my weak Mm -hmm. side because my heart Mm -hmm. goes out to them because we never know. And one thing I had said to some of the officers, uh, you could be in that uniform today. Right. But something happened to you. And your lights can go out, and you could be standing just where we are standing at today ourselves. So you never take anything for granted. And I like to have a few highlighting on that part in particular because I could just listen to your voice and know you care, but then there's an oath that you take as an officer, and that oath is very mm-hmm. strict and strong, and you had to buy by it and stand by it. And that was your career, and that was your livelihood. So, yes, ma'am, I can relate. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And don't take think I didn't, as you just said. You know, there have been times, um, you know, how they would come up to you when I was working the dormitories a lot. Uh, and I worked night shift. I mainly stayed on the night shift uh, because I was a young parent with two young kids at home. And so it, it meant more for me to be able to be at home with them during the day and see them off to school and come home and put them to bed versus being working during the daylight hours. But, um, there are times they they can sit or they can be walking back and forth mm-hmm. in the hallways as you're sitting outside and you're eating, and they would be like, I, I would just long for that piece of chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, that just touches your heart to mm-hmm. hear them say, she would like to have some collard greens, things that we take for granted every day. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. One thing I learned was being in the situation that I ended up in, that made me, I always was grateful about everything that I had when I was home. But going mm-hmm. through something like that, Mayor Copeland, I'm more humble, I'm more appreciative, mm-hmm. I'm more grateful yeah. than ever. It's like when you get that second chance on life, because it is a second chance, mm-hmm. and you have to restore rebuild. That's a lot. And a lot of us, as I when I was um, talking um, and doing my part of where you're sitting at tonight, a lot of us don't have family members. A lot of us don't have that support when we leave and go home. We don't have a home. Where are we going? What are we going to do? Which direction do I go? How do I start? Can I take Mm -hmm. these doors closed in my face? Can I handle being judged by someone? Can I handle always having to defend myself and explain myself? Because what happened to me, I might not did what I did, which I didn't, but at the same time, I'm constantly on that defense. So let me ask the question to you tonight. How do you feel about an individual having a second chance to have been incarcerated? How do you feel about that? How would you... uh, Look at them if they came to you if you had a business and they're trying to get a job and you have that question that they ask on the uh, application, have you ever been convicted of a felony, and they check yes, how would you receive them? Well, me personally, I believe everybody deserves a second chance because, as you just said earlier, you don't know when that change of that turn of that ball can turn, and it's you, and then you're faced with, can I go out here and actually present myself to someone as to why or will they give me that chance? And, yes, I would. You know, I oftentimes I, I'm the mayor of the city, and I have guys that will come up to me and they'll say, 
I need a job, but I'm I'm a convicted felon. You know, been out a couple of months, couple of weeks, or whatever. And so we have in the city of, of Millersville what we call the Parm Old Kitchen out on the Central State Campus. And I okay. must say, they are actually wonderful about giving wow. convicted felons a second chance. Oh, that's wonderful. Go out there and show him that you really want to work, then he's going to hire mm-hmm. you. Because I've sent people out there that needed that second chance. But mm-hmm. I think what they do is they second-guess themselves once they get out there or they get around the environment, the very environment that took them to where they went, and they don't know mm-hmm. how to handle being back out and doing well and I'm making my own money, and they fall back in the same old rut again. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's what makes it hard for people to, to rehire a convicted felon or someone, you know, that's, spent a lot of time in, in a prison setting, that's, yeah. that particular piece right there mm-hmm. makes it hard because they don't know if that person right. is, is really going to stick with it. They might do good mm-hmm. for one or two weeks, and I don't invest my time and effort into training them, and then no show. I mean, it's just they just don't show back up for the job. Or, yes, you know, some of them get on a job uh, from some experiences I've learned about. They get on it, and they steal from the people. So then that makes it hard. Yeah, but but I do. I would personally, and that's my heart. I believe in the fact that everybody deserves a second chance. And so, yes, ma'am, I would. I would, if I had a a little business of my own, then I would give Mm -hmm. them that opportunity. Explain yourself to me. Be truthful with me. And we'll do this right across the table together, and I'll help you every bit of the way. Amen. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. You're welcome. Yeah, because uh, like you said, a lot of times, you know, the breakdown is that period in between a person going away and having idle time that they're not getting that change and then coming home and getting right back into that same environment. You know, so mm-hmm. it's almost like a person needs to come out and go into a whole different environment um, to be successful. But, right. you know, everybody can't do that, you know. Um, you know, so if sure it's a person. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, the difference between men and women and that residual effect of coming back. I would say it's more so on the men than the women. Uh, the women that tend to come back is the ones that want to get out and be that bad boy, bad girl type mentality mm-hmm. on the street. Those are the ones that you would see come back in a women's institution. Mm-hmm. But your men, they, you know, I don't understand it. As we just said, we, we know the downside of it. Uh, but if we just had someone that they could mentor with when they get a, leave the prison institution. Now, some of them have to go mm-hmm. to a halfway house, and that helps to prepare them because they're working in society and they're going back to the halfway house and doing what they normally do on a day-to-day basis. But there are others who go right back into society without any kind of mentorship with them to keep them accountable, um, to say, you know, hey, my brother, let me pick you up for church or let right. me help you make 
sure you get to that job on time and make sure you are a great parent when you go back out. Because with any incarcerated person, be it male or female, I think probably maybe seven out of ten of those children will be incarcerated like their parents were. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard pill to swallow knowing today, what the times we're living in right now, um, that these are kids of offenders. Trust me. They're not just children just deciding to do stuff, but their parents right. have been offended. And that's what they right. That's what they think. Yeah. And see, and that, that is the purpose, like, with me, with doing this is, you know, what did you, what can we do to break the cycle? Because it's like the cycle needs to be broken and it needs to be healed. And so I'm like, okay, what, what can we do, you know, collectively to, um, you know, turn it in a different direction? Um, where, you know, you know, you know people make mistakes, you know things happen, but what can be done differently? You know, that kids don't suffer because it's like their parents go away, they, they suffer during that time, and then they get to a certain age where they're teenagers or whatever, young adults, and then they go away. So then, mm-hmm. guess what? They don't even have lives, you know? They they, right. they miss their childhood and then they miss their young adulthood, you know. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you know, about time they in their thirties, forties. Well, you know, what kind of job and quality of life that they get to have? Really nothing. And then right. they end up having kids, and that same cycle happens, you know. And mm-hmm. you know, it's just to me something you know needs to be done, you know, and I know I'm, you know, just one person, but I just feel like, you know, if it gets to be a bunch of us that feel the same way, you know, we can, we can, we can make a change, you know, and get things going in a different direction, you know, Um, and talking about it. And I think one thing is talking about it because a lot of times I feel like we keep a lot of things, um, closed off a lot of things that we should get out there and talk about. It gets hush-hush because, oh, it's not the popular thing to talk about, but these are issues that, you know, we need to talk about. It's just like now I'm glad they talk more about mental health and making sure that your mental Mm -hmm. health is okay, that it was a taboo. Mm -hmm. Oh, if you see a therapist, oh, you know, certain Mm -hmm. people don't see therapists or only these type people see therapists and Truly, all of us needed somebody to talk to probably at some time, and the ones that don't need somebody to talk to, you know, they're just, you know, they're super blessed. But, um, you know, so, you know, it's just things that should be talked about, you know. And that's very far and few that that doesn't need a therapist of some sort. And I'm going to be very candid and say, as an African-American race, we never thought therapy. Number one, the finances, you didn't have to pay it, nor did you have the insurance to pay it. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, right. and it's, it's no excuse for you not to get the help that you need. So putting my pastor hat on, I'm going to say it takes a village to raise a child, and that means it takes yeah. our, our churches, it takes mm-hmm. uh, everyone in the community to be hands-on, 
I'm instituting a uh, crime initiative here where we're going to work it from every angle to see what we can do to be able to mentor, to get our kids off the streets. You know, you got to think, babies, babies, and babies now. So they don't know how to raise children. You know, we had big mama, aunties. They don't have that now. Mm -hmm. And and I look at that when I'm thinking about it. You know, what what are you watching when you're at home? What are you learning? When I I open up a school bus door and I have one child coming on in that probably preschool and you can say some words that I didn't even know at that age. You know, right. you're talking about right. and the kids having conversation and saying, oh, you like girls, you like boys, and little bitty kids. And I'm looking like, wow, you know, what What are your parents yeah. teaching you at home? It and I played amazing. with dolls until I was 15. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's amazing what you will, you know, some people said, oh, you're kidding. No, I'm not. Uh, and I'm being real with you, and so we all become real with one another and realize the issue at hand. Yes. Uh, I hate it that we don't have more people wanting to adopt. I hate it that we don't have more foster parents. But the times have changed, and mm-hmm. where they used to do that so widely years back, nobody wants to be right. this any longer. So now mm-hmm. we gotta feed it back to the system and see how we how do we help one another? How do we help to keep our kids striving? How especially our young black men. I mean, I'm yeah. learning I always tell my young black men, but as the mayor, I'm learning like, Oh wow, what's happening with our girls? Now who's mentoring to these girls now that right. girls are shooting at one another? Like men. Right. It's amazing. And um I think about a week or so, I had to go out and on a scene and a bunch of young young black men. And at first, they wanted to be very um, disrespectful until they realized who I was, standing out there mm-hmm. at 9.30 at night in the midst of 40 boys, cars everywhere, mm-hmm. and the whole attitude change. Mm-hmm. And so it takes us as leaders. we got to get out among our people. we got to get out here and let them know you're not afraid. I tell them all the time, I mean, Whatever gang you might be a part of, just let me know. Tell me where you want me to meet you at. We'll talk about mm-hmm. it. Right. Because even our gang people have to know that they're cared for and that they right. have right. to walk, you know, if, if we could do that and help them. You they know, really do. Um, they need hugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. They do. Yes. They do. May appropriate piggy bank, which you were saying is amazing because I emailed Daphne some information yesterday uh, about the Justice Department and it was uh, giving information about our churches accepting um, individuals into their church once they have been released from mm-hmm. being incarcerated to let them back in, minister to them. And as you say, we had a village when we was growing up. The village is still there, but the village now is very small because most parents nowadays, you know, I don't want you saying anything to my child or my child didn't do this, you find and they want to defend them that are they wrongdoing. We oh, were wow. the parents you know, I was one of the mothers I tell the teachers or anyone, if you see mine out of place, 
put them back in place. I understand the rules and the regulations of school. And uh, since you can't touch them, just call me and I'll be here to see about it myself because that's just, you know, the way I was raised. And I'm still that old school regardless of how I may the style of my finesse or whatever may be. I'm old school when it comes down to raising a child. If I cannot tell your child right from wrong and when they're doing wrong or address the issue, then something's wrong with you as a parent because it's not good. That's not good because in the long run, you don't see it then that you're setting them up for damage control. We already know what that damage control is. You can be visiting them on a monthly basis or a weekend basis or either way. It depends on which direction they be sent, and that's something you do not want, and that's something I tell anybody to this day, and I would take it to my grave. I don't wish that on my worst enemy, and we was at a boot camp. Listen, <laughs> tell me about <laughs> it. I, I actually, <laughs> you know, one student I had on my bus, and this been, I know, at least five years ago, um, and I kept telling him, I said, son, you don't learn to respect yourself because you can't get on my bus and show out. That's just how anybody know me. Oh, can't get on Mary Copeland's bus with that because she's not going to have it. And I kept telling him repeatedly, if you don't change your thought process, if you don't change the actions that you're, you're uh, displaying now, you're going to end up in prison. And lo and behold, he's doing a life sentence right now. Wow. Didn't listen. You know, I saw the warning signs because when I see them getting on that bus, and when I tell you those parents can come and show out on the bus drivers like 90 going north, and the kids are right there soaking it up. Well, where do we do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that young crowd again. You know, uh, with my girls, I really would like to mentor to them more so because I did work in, on both sides of the fence. I, I worked at GWCI, as I said. It was the Georgia Women's Correctional Institution. So I saw pregnant inmates. I've watched babies come into the world and then had to be torn from their parents once they left the hospital. Someone had to be there to pick that child up, and we took them back to the institution. Uh, I've seen them you know, come in sick, uh, mental health issues, you name it. We had them. I mean, I've even had to go to the morgue and sit with a lifer that had died and sit in the morgue. I mean, not outside the door. They wanted me in the morgue area with that person all night long. Mm. So it, I, I really want them to know this is just not a lifestyle that you want to take up with. Uh, you don't want to have to tear your children from you. When I would walk through as a supervisor to walk through the, the visitation on the weekend and see children crying because they wanted their mothers to go with them. They had to come from up north down here to see their child because most of your women, they they went in, be it uh, some kind of physical abuse, sexual abuse, drug use, bad relationships. You know, they would get with boyfriends and the boyfriend would stuff the drugs everywhere, but then they got caught trafficking it back and that gave them a life sentence. So it's it's, it's a heartbreaking thing to watch, uh, be it male or female. And I left GWCI and went to Davisboro when we changed over hands and the females went there, and that's where I retired from was down in Davisboro. But just to see both sides of the fence, it's no difference. (laughs) 
It's almost <laughs> the only difference for me was that the fact that I had never been married and the things that I had to see as a supervisor. You know, I, I had to sit there and talk to grown men. And my officer was like, Lieutenant, do I need to come in? No, you can stand out there. And they knew instantly that she wasn't hearing that because I could read them and tell them, you're lying. And that was a gifting that God has placed in me that I could tell the difference between the two. And so you, you're talking not just little boys, but big old grown men, six, nine, walking up on you, and you got to stand there and keep a straight face and let them know that once you got up on me, whatever you planned you was going to do, you better make sure you do it. It is it's a whole other world that I wish so many more could just go out there and watch. I hate they took the stri- uh, Scare Straight program away um, mm-hmm, because yeah. I keep seeing that, and, and I think that would keep some of our kids away. But then in these days, I don't know, because they'll look you dead in the eye and say, I, I don't care about dying mm-hmm. in your life. Wow. Wow. You are so young. You haven't even had a chance at life yet. Mm-hmm. I want to interrupt right quick. I want to uh, let any of our listeners know if you want to call in to ask a question, uh, you can just press 1 to raise your hand, and our producer will get you through. So you can ask a question of uh, our uh, esteemed mayor uh, while we have her on the line here. And we're just so grateful to have her with us today to uh, share with us on this subject and all her knowledge and experience experience and just just really common sense, you know, on the subject. You know, it's just it's just nice to have a common sense, you know, conversation. Um, you know, about just what's really, you know, really going on. You know, and it's like like you say with the kids and things and, you know, I know social media plays a lot oh. in it as well and just media in itself. Because, you know, they make things look like it's so easy, you know, when you see these movies and stuff, and mm-hmm. I laugh. I laugh. Rap music. There's nothing. Rap music is awful for our kids today. And yeah. They're making meals, but they're sending our kids to the grave and to the prison. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, like it's so easy, it's so simple, you know. And having all this and that is, you know, oh, you got to have this and you got to have that. So, you know, they go do things because they think they got to have all this money and stuff and money. You know, yeah, you need money to live, but at the end of the day, it it doesn't make you all that. It doesn't make you happy, really. You know, you might have things, but... At the end of the day, if you have to go away and all that gets taken away from you, you see it's not worth your time. I always say now, the more and more with people dying the way they are, my currency is time because mm-hmm. that that's what really matters. Um, mm-hmm. You can't buy time. You can buy anything else, but you cannot buy time. And so Absolutely. that is the valuable, that is valuable right there. So any time that you can save and have is so much better than things. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree with it. Totally agree. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I share with people 
Last month I turned a blessed 56 years old, and I'm still looking at, I plan to be 104 years old before I leave this earth. Taking care of yourself and taking care of life day by day. Stop rushing Mm -hmm. your time or what. You know, I I don't get it. You know, don't rush it. It, Life tragedies come quicker than we want them to in this hour. Uh, And as you said earlier, so many people have left here through COVID and everything else that's going on in this world. So take your time, slow it down. If if you're still here and you're you're standing up and you're not in the ground, but you're looking down at the ground, you're blessed. And so you yes. need to wait and wait on God yes. to open up doors for you to walk through. Um, and, and that's what I try to share with kids. Don't get into that. Don't get into mm-hmm. uh, yes. needing that fast money. That fast money is going to get you fast time. Yes. And unfortunately, I think we're seeing more deaths from the prisons. Now, than yeah. we've ever seen. Yeah, so because I mean, healthcare is is not is not you know all that um, at all. You know, and you know it's it's. I'm sure it's hard for them to get healthcare providers. You know, there. You know, um, you know, working conditions are not all that great, and you know they don't get new equipment and stuff to work with. They get refurbished and things that are from like the VA and you know other places. So you know, you know they work with what they have. So you know, and it's not just that that trend right there. You know, we oftentimes they might not want to see it, but. Um, Inmates get jumped on, they get beat up, they get stabbed, mm-hmm. you know. A lot mm-hmm. of things happen that you wouldn't want to happen or you would think would happen. But it mm-hmm. does. And I've seen it happen. So a lot of things happen. A lot of things can happen and, you know, nobody's watching. That's one difference between the males and the females, as I learned, is that the females want to get everybody into it because they really don't want to fight. But the men, mm-hmm. they do what they got to do, and they're done. Yep. I can be standing in the dining room, and I see a crowd. I know what they're doing. And by the time yeah. they get to the dining room, I'm looking at the young man and saying, okay, what happened? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to sit down. They don't tell it now. They just go on do what nope. they got to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, all different ball game. And I, I hope our children wisen up. And it's going to take all of us to help them, from the schoolhouse to our communities, from our clergy, um, just from anyone that wants to help, that are that are not afraid to help. And because we do have people afraid. And I'm not, I, just what I think she said earlier, don't touch my child. And, and I was, I'm old school like you, my granddaughters now. My two kids knew I better not come to that school, and a teacher better not call me, and I'm out here working hard to provide for you. So by the time they finished school, my son was in the twelfth grade, and his teacher said he really didn't want me to call you. He was about to cry. Mm-hmm. My son said not. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah. Yes, I shared yes, with him yes. a long time ago, brother. I will cut those legs off and under you. I brought you into this world, <laughs> as my parents would say, and I'll take you mm-hmm. out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
But we can't do that now, ladies. You know, we yes, you know, yes. Just just and clean, clean up to now uh, with some handcuffs yes, and things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, I'll tell you, my oldest son will let you all know how his dad came to his school when he was in eighth grade, stood him up in front of his class, and made him tell them what he did. And then the class started laughing, and his dad said, well, what are y'all laughing at? And all of them got scared and, and was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we did. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the teacher wanted him to stay because she didn't have control over the class, you know. And, you know, we didn't dare say anything in class back then because you know you got in trouble. You did. Because I used to substitute. Like I said, I wore wore many hats. And, I, you know, when I was substituting, I was like, okay, I am a true substitute. You get your book out, get your paper out, do your work. Your teacher left this for you to do, and this is what you're going to do. You will not sleep in this classroom. You will not put your head down. And so I was just. Just as firm there as I was on that job at the prison, but you know, it's, mm-hmm. you can't even hardly get substitutes in school. You know, you can't. You don't have the teacher teachers that you need in the school system anymore. Everybody's COVID has changed their whole direction. The young crowd has changed their whole direction, and they're looking for career changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, they are, and and you know. A lot of people are going, you know, into technology. That's that. That's one thing um, that I wish they would have. Um, and, and I know there's some certain reasons why they can't have technology, you know, in the prison system. But to a certain extent, I wish they would have had because I mean that would be a way for some people to get out and really get a job that would pay well and they could get on their feet, you know, having a job to work in a warehouse, you know, or, you know, stuff like that doesn't really help some people. And they go back to their old ways, you know, and stuff because it, it just doesn't, you know, make make the need. But, mm-hmm. um you know, even even to be able to teach, be able to have the Microsoft Office stuff. You know, it, it you know it wasn't anything you know that you could even do like that. You you only had an old typewriter that you had to buy mm-hmm. a typewriter ribbon for when they mm-hmm. had them in stock. You know, no. so it's like you know. So people who've been there fifteen, twenty years, they get out. They they don't even they don't have a clue. They like Microsoft oh, who, <laughs> you know, because they've never seen stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. no to even input anything. So how are you gonna go to a job when you've never even you know? That's one of the basic things they ask you. You know, have do you know Word? Do you know Excel? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. if you've never been exposed to it, you know, you already frustrated filling out an application. Absolutely. You know, you know, even going to Walmart or anywhere, you know, you're already frustrated. And we are going to post uh, on on our Facebook page 
and Instagram page on um, places as well that say they do hire people that that have felonies because we do have that list, um, and mm-hmm. we we will be posting that as well because right. there are companies that um, say they do, and um, you know I do know people that have gotten um, you know certain jobs um, once they got out. And a lot of those people are still at those jobs, so uh, we will be posting that. And one other thing to piggyback again, um, Mayor Copeland, when we were talking about the churches, um, one of my earlier guests, Ms. Uh, Joanne uh, Cash, she has a program uh, that uh, through one of her organizations called um, it's called a Sites of Hope, and with those Sites of Hope, they go around to different um, congregations, and they train different congregations actually on how to accept uh, recently incarcerated people, um, mm-hmm. how to for their congregations to accept those people back, how to talk to them, how to address them. Uh, even on like um, eating, um, um, like she gave the example, you know, a person that's been away a long time may cannot digest the food that we've been eating because the food is so different. And, you know, mm-hmm. she said, you know, they'll come home and big mama might be on cook this big spread of food and the person can't eat. Uh, and it's not that they're being disrespectful. Their body just can't take it. And then, you know, the family, oh, they sat home acting funny or whatever. But, you know, they just can't digest the food, you know. So, you know, just you have a sensitivity. Yeah. You live on a commissary mm-hmm. for 12, 13 years, store goods, noodles. Your stomach won't eat the same way. Uh, yeah. And that's what so, the majority um, they, of them live off of. Yeah, so they have, you know, that she, they do that Stations of Hope, and and I think that's an awesome program that they go around because they, you know, they want people, you know, to be able to, you know, have places to worship and, you know, be able to be acclimated, you know, back to society, you know, as well, and be able to continue to, you know, practice their faith and, you know, also have a whole, a, another support system as well, you know, and have a church family to have for support, um, too. So, well, our hour goes by really, really fast. Every time we do this, <laughs> it goes by quickly. It is about that time. Okay. Yeah. I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it, ladies, uh, being a part with you all tonight. Um, and hopefully that uh, I'll be able to tune in again with you all. Yes. 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 And you know whenever you have anything going on and you need me, you know I'm there. Because I used to love when we were doing the um, um, the community um, minute with the mayor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, those were fun, doing those Zooms. I couldn't wait for those Sundays for the Zoom. Um, <laughs> so... So, you know, uh, when we were having the community talk, so I, I, you know, was just honored to be a part of that as well. So, so you know, I'm always on deck whenever you need me. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate it. And my lady from Sparta and Macedonia, okay, we're going to pull you in, too. Uh, Can you help us out with some things from time to time? Okay. Yes, ma'am. 
I, I would just like to say to you, Mayor Copeland, keep up the excellent work. I see a lot of the uh, new elected officials from, I was back from the 1980 days with Judge Ingram. I was her deputy clerk all the way up until the point um, when she retired mm-hmm. in 2004 and I became the judge. Uh, Mr. Wiley, uh, Betty Hill, all of them, the old schools that really care. A lot of our younger elected officials is not really taking those positions seriously. It's about a title. And I just thank God for all the service that I gave, even what happened to me. I had a passion. I had a heart. I saw what Mm -hmm. Judge Ingham did for Hancock County community as a whole. And when she passed that baton over to me, I never stopped running with it, and I took it to another level with the new millennium that we're dealing with. So keep up the excellent work, and anytime you need me, even though I'm not in Hancock County, I'm still a part of Hancock County. I'm an activist. I will always be a politician. Call me, and I will be there. Uh, I've got your number. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and God bless you. We thank everyone for tuning in today. Just remember that uh, you can catch us and catch the replay on all the platforms. You can um, catch us tomorrow. We always are on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, uh, any other platform that you listen to music and podcasts on. You can type in Incarcerated Mothers Matter, and you can go back and listen to all seven of our episodes. Um, that we already have out there. And also, uh, you can catch us too, replay on Blog Talk Radio. And also, make sure you um, check into our Gumbo for the Soul with um, Blog Talk Radio. And also, don't forget, uh, keep in the back of your mind, we will have our anthology uh, coming out as well, which is our book on incarcerated mothers matter too. Uh, we'll be having more details about that in the next coming weeks. So enjoy the rest of your week, and we appreciate you all listening tonight. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you. Good night. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this broadcast of Incarcerated Mothers Matter. Gumbo for the Soul Publications wishes to invite your participation in the anthology Incarcerated Mothers Matter 2. Visit GumboForTheSoulInternational.com and send us a message through our contact page or email Incarcerated Mothers Matter 2 at gmail.com. Thank you. Just like a bird, I just want to fly free. And I own a piece of land somewhere, somewhere off in a country. Oh, listen.
Uh, can you tell me a little bit how that process went uh, with you all there being able to come home under the CARES Act? Incarcerated Mothers Matter Radio Show. We're online 24-7. You're listening to the hottest for radio station on the planet. Uh, you know, been a while. But um, I know they, you know, offered like the parents in classes and, you know, some other things that, you know, also taught you, you know, how to address different subjects, you know, to the children. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Get inspired Monday and Friday right here on your favorite inspirational show. And don't forget about that Friday praise break. Get inspired through encouraging words, special guests, and the inspirational moment where you, the listener, get a chance to be on air. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.